Hello, everybody, and welcome to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck, and I am your host. This podcast is about my personal experiences, stories, and events with dealing with borderline personality disorder, otherwise known as BPD. My experiences with BPD is due to my wife, now ex-wife, who I have been with for 34 years, was diagnosed with BPD in 2012. And I want to share my experiences with you so that if you are someone who has somebody in your life with BPD, that you may relate to what I'm saying along with my personal tips and suggestions that may or may not work in your specific situation. And if you are someone who has been diagnosed or think you may have BPD, that you may recognize the signs and understand the havoc and turmoil that it can have around people that are involved in your life. Let me caution you that I am in no way qualified or certified in the field of mental health and that my personal suggestions are merely my personal opinion and do not recommend that anybody take any mental health therapy into their own hands, but to personally seek out the help from a professional in the field of mental health. And furthermore, if you are a couple, you might even consider counseling to help further your relationship a little bit better. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy the show. Hello everybody, Brad Shattuck here, your host. I got a question for you. How many of you love to read but just don't have the time? I myself am one of them. In the past three years, I've probably read one book and even then it was a task. Audible.com can offer audible books. Listen to them anytime in your car, when you're shopping. You can get books read that you normally wouldn't be able to. It's so convenient. And our listeners can get a free 30-day trial with two free books, which is like a $60 value. It's a great offer. They have titles from thrillers, love, romance, learning, you name it. You can specifically read up on disorders, um, mental health disorders, borderline personality disorder, DBT, dialectical uh, behavior therapy. You name it, they got thousands and thousands of titles. Get reading done that you normally wouldn't have time to do. Like I said, our listeners can get a 30-day free trial with two free books. Go into the show notes, you'll see the link there. Click it, and again, thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. Thank you again for listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck, and I'm your host. And today's show is called Connecting the Dots. And I've been listening to a lot of relationship shows and taking some notes and... I've learned a lot of things, you know, I don't blame the entire relationship on my wife and her disorder, Um, but it's very hard to work on myself when I'm so concentrating on working on her disorder, and that makes it even harder trying to work on our relationship together. It's a constant battle, and I know I can see it, other people around me can see it, probably even listeners can see how much of a strong love I have for her, she just doesn't see it. But again, with the, you know, analogy of men from Mars, women are from Venus, you know, Martians and Volutions, we have different languages, different interpretations, different expectations. You know, I learn all these things, but what I also feel in my mind is it's probably too late and it sucks. And I hope to God it's not. But um, I listened to a few shows uh, the past few days and I wanted to share some things with you. And I'm hoping some of the things that I can share with you, maybe you can 
you know, salvage your relationship before it gets to the point like me. You know, I'm being with somebody for 34 years. I don't know anything except her. I don't want to know anything except her. I don't want to be with anybody else except her. And I'm willing to take on the fact if she doesn't get help for herself right now, I can deal with that. I'm willing to deal with that, you know. But it's to be able to get back in there because my other episode that I put, the longer I'm away, the more of a, a more of Satan I am. And I realized that before. After a month of her not letting me talk to her, speak to her, text her, come on the property, turned into separation and divorce. You know, the longer I'm away, the harder it is for me to get back in there. So, I took some notes down of some episodes and I wanted to share some of that stuff with you. So, with that being said, let's get on with Connecting the Dots. So, um, some of the noise here, I'm just flipping around some pages. I wrote some notes down. And, um, you know, this is a combination of things that I've learned in the past and listened to relationship podcasts over the past few weeks, over the past few months, over the past year. But one of um, the episodes I listened to recently uh, characterized the relationship as a triangle. You have commitment, intimacy, and passion. And those three things need to connect and make this triangle in order to have a full, so I'd say a full circle when it's a triangle, but to connect, to have a, a full circle relationship, you know, and passion is obviously one of the hardest ones because, you know, you're not going to get passion and intimacy if, you know, if you're mad at each other, you know, I know some people say, you know, make up sex, but that's not passion. That's just having, you know, that's just a physical feeling. Um, usually it's selfish, <clears throat> but anyways, they characterize it as commitment, intimacy, and passion. And she also, uh, this one lady, uh, if I got the note here, she characterized um, attraction in four areas. It's physical, intellectual and spiritual you know you have you know somebody can have you know the greatest body in the world and be muscular or if it's a woman you know a nice tight body uh the most beautiful hair but if you're not connected to them you know intellectually and spiritually and emotionally what good is that to you like i always told my wife when the lights go off you know and the lights go off and you're looking at each other in the dark are you still attracted to that person you know, I always told my wife that, to, to me, I, I don't know where I ever thought of this analogy, but if, if you think you can possibly be with someone for the rest of your life, and I did do this with my wife, picture them in every room and the outside of your house in every possible situation. Can you picture being in the kitchen with them, cooking, playing around, maybe making some dough and throwing a little bit of flour, being, you know, spunky and, you know, flirtatious? Can you be in the living room? That's a really good one. Sitting on the couch, your arm over each other with a throw blanket, have some popcorn, watching a movie. Obviously, the bedroom. Laying down with them, cuddling, waking up with them, cuddling, making love in that room. In the bathroom, brushing teeth together in the morning. You know, while she's putting her make makeup on, maybe nudging the shoulder a little bit, a little bit of flirtiness. And, hey, what are you doing? You know, and then outside, you know, sitting down. Crossing your legs, laying back in, in a resting chair with your arm over each other, just talking about 
you know, things of the day. And then as the sun goes down and you're sitting out there just looking off into the woods or, you know, um, whatever the case may be, city background or whatever. But I've always said, picture yourself in every room in the house, in every possible situation. And if you can laugh, giggle, or feel comfortable about picturing yourself in every situation, every room in the house, that's the person you can be with for the rest of your life. And I've been in every situation with that woman. And that's when I said, I, I can live with this woman. I can marry her. And I still could. But um, so anyways, a lot of the mistakes that, you know, I learned over the years that I made, I approached how apologizing the wrong way. I was selfish when I was apologizing. And the other thing is apologizing to somebody who's got BPD is completely different than the way you apologize to somebody else. You know, with them being, excuse me, with them being a matter-of-fact person, black or white, yes or no, here or there, you know, there's no gray area. Um, you know, I used to tell my wife, you know, to make myself look a little bit better, I said, you know, do you really think that when you meet the next guy, look what I did. You know, you'd put up, you know, accuse me of sleeping with somebody in the middle of the night, try to make me leave and lock me out, you know, but I was still sitting there in the morning waiting for you, sweetheart. Um, you know, you tell me I couldn't go pee during the night and I held it and I was still there in the morning, honey. So what I was doing was I was explaining the situation and then the result that I was still there, I dealt with it. But what she heard was, I'm crazy and you were still there. I was crazy. I'm still there. You're a crazy person and I'm still there. She didn't hear the language in the middle of what I was saying was, you pulled an episode. I dealt with it. But the bottom line is I'm still for the, there for you, sweetheart. So they don't see that middle. There's no gray area. So you have to communicate with them a different way, A to B. You know, they don't see, you know, uh, I'm sorry, from A to C. They don't see A, B, C. It's A and C. They don't see anything in the middle. So what you start your conversation off with and end it with, that's the whole conversation. If you took a, so a conversation with somebody BPD, an hour conversation, Technically, it's probably only about 10 minutes <laughs> because they don't see anything in the meantime. You know, they're just rolling their eyes and ignoring it, not hearing anything else. And I've noticed that when I talk to my wife, I'd be like, are you even listening to me? Yeah, I'm listening to you. No, they're really not. <laughs> they're listening to you, but they're not hearing you. You know what I'm saying? So what I've realized is, like what I said before, when you say I love you, 99% of the people say it because they want to hear it. They may be insecure and be lonely at that time, and they want to be told. So you don't just go up and go, hey, I'm lonely. Can you tell me you love me? No, you go up and you say, I love you, because you want to hear it back. Where well, it should be equal. Go up and tell that person you love them because you love them or because you think they need to hear it. That's where it really should be. And I started doing that. I made it very clear to her. And that, that to be honest with you, did work. It really did. I told her, if you don't feel like saying it back, don't. For whatever reason, I don't even want to know. I'm never going to expect when I say I love you for you to say it back. I'm telling it to you because I want you to know I love you. Or I see you're sad and I just re want to reassure you that there is somebody here that does love you. But a lot of people, when they say they're sorry, you just, you know, like I realized there was a lot of things, not that I did, a lot of things I didn't do. Like, a lot of times, I didn't make my wife feel loved. Um, you know, how hard was it when we watched a movie? You know, 
I would cuddle up to her. A lot of things, like I said, we do, we do is selfish. I cuddled up to her because I wanted her to cuddle up to me. And I remember, I know that for a fact, because I remember many times I said, you know, can you move in a little bit closer? And it wasn't because I wanted to hug her. It's because I wanted her close to me. Well, maybe at the time she wanted to be a little distant, you know? Now, if, I, if she had said that, I probably would have taken offense to that. When, in fact, I should have said, if you would like your distance, I, I can appreciate that. You know, I can honor that for you. You know, if you don't want it, because it was many times I'd cuddle up to her and she's like, can you, can you just give me some space? And right away, I would attack her and say, well, geez, would you, would you wish somebody else was here? You know, instead of some people just don't want to be touched. They have that moment where there's a lot of feelings going on and they just don't want to be smothered. You know, you have to respect that. And it's not up to you to analyze why or go, oh, that's a stupid reason. Everybody's got their own reasons for everything. And it's not up uh, up to us to judge it or analyze it of saying, really, because of that, are you serious? No, it's not up to us to do that. It doesn't matter what it is. Maybe they're just having a bad day. They don't even have a reason. And don't say, well, you get, at least you need to have a good reason why you don't want to be touched. No, it's not up to us. That's personal. There's a lot of times we have to give people boundaries. And if you smother people, as much as people want to be loved and people with BPD want to be loved, Sometimes we do need space. So, with asking for forgiveness, the first thing you have to do is, I'll keep saying this, it's to, um, uh, where was it? Um, when asking, when you ask for forgiveness, the first thing you have to do is validate, validate, validate. You know, like I said, a lot of things, it wasn't the things I did, it's things I didn't do. I didn't make her feel loved a lot. So I'm trying to think of a situation where, oh, I know. When we're like watching a movie or something, my phone would, you know, beep saying I either got a Facebook message or a text message. I'd reach for it down and grab it. And she would say, you know, unless it's an emergency, somebody's going to call you. Do you really have to grab and look at your text while we're having our time together? You know? And I remember, I never really took offense at that much because that is kind of rude. But the first thing you have to do is validate. So what I could say is, you know, first of all, I understand. I can see that made you upset. So validate. Validate the feelings. I saw that made you upset. So what I'll do in the future, I validate again because I saw how it did make you upset. Validate a third time. And I don't want to see you upset. So I'm not going to answer my text while we're watching a movie. So validate three times. The first validation is validating that it made them upset. And again, you don't judge. You don't analyze it. If it made them upset for whatever reason, don't even ask, like, why does that make you up so upset? Um, or say, well, you know, is it better if I take, take it out of the room and check it? Or No. The bottom line is that made her upset. So validate. I'm sorry. I saw it made you get upset. And then validate again. I'll make sure when we don't, uh, I don't answer my text when we're watching the movie and then validate a third time. So what I'll do, because I don't want to see you upset, is I won't answer it while watching the movie. You validate those three times. Validate the first time what you did to make them upset. And then validate again by saying, I saw you upset, so I don't want to do that again. And then validate the third time and say, I don't want to see you get upset. So this is what I'm going to do. So you have a problem where you validate the problem. Then you validate a solution. And then you validate it at the end. So you got three times you want to validate it. 
Make sure you do that. It's all about validation, letting them know. And do not, I'm telling you right now, if you analyze it or try to ask any questions about it, you're going to ruin the whole thing. It's got to be a selfless act. Don't worry about, if you're going to apologize, apologizing is a selfless act. It's not about you right now. It's about that person you hurt. However little, don't go, oh my God, you're really going to freak out about over that? Yes. And it's not up to you to ask or judge or analyze it. Just leave it alone. Validate, validate, validate. And the other thing is, is a lot of times they have the fear for forgiveness because they fear if they forgive you, you're just going to hurt them again with that thing. So you can't expect, you know, when you do apologize that immediately they're going to go, oh, okay, I forgive you. You got to give them time to mull over it and you got to give them time to, you know, listen to what you said and they need to analyze and break it down. They want to see if it sounded heartful. Did you really mean it? You know, when you make a promise or a vow, you got to fulfill it. You got to, you know, don't just throw out the word promise all the time. A lot of people do that. Yeah, I promise I'll get to it then. I promise that. Promise gets thrown around way too easily. A promise is like a vow. That's like saying, you know, when you marry somebody, sickness and health. Well, I didn't mean, you know, sickness is a mental sickness. I meant, you know, if you were sick or if you had cancer or something, not just if you broke your leg, you know, then I'm going to sit there and cater to you. Oh, sickness means sickness. You know, don't sit there and pick and analyze it. You're going to make a promise or something. You better make sure that you can fulfill it. Because otherwise, you could be that one time. Say you promise I'll mop the floor on every Wednesday, and then you don't. Just because you don't mop the floor means silly. But that also word promise that you said you never cheat on them, they're going to question that word promise. Because if you can break it on that, can you break it on other things too? You want to make sure that you, when you say the word promise, that you come through with it. So that way you can always say, listen, I promise. Have I ever broken a promise to you before? Unless it was absolutely not my fault, not my control. So you, you want to make sure that you don't use that term loosely. Make a promise, a promise. And then you can start your, you know, and, and you got to understand too, when when you commit to something, you know, you got to make sure that, um, you know, when, when you commit to doing anything, you know, whether it's a vow, you got to make sure you, you that you do it, that it's, you know, you do it all the time. Because like I said, when you throw that word, you know, you promise out there, it's going to stick to it. You know, you can remember when you guys first met, there's going to be certain things. You know, we how many people say it all the time? Oh, when we first met, he did this, he did this, he did that. That's like getting the new toy. You know, all the other toys get ignored. Well, then when you get a new toy, that toy gets ignored. Those little cute things that made her happy all the time, keep doing them. If you did a little thing where you went up and grabbed her hips and tickled a little bit when she's doing the dishes, well, just because it's 10 years later, if she loved it when you first met, unless she specifically tells you, I don't like that anymore, why would you stop doing it? You're going to make her feel like she's a piece of furniture in the house that you just passed by. You want to make her feel like she's always that new toy. You know, every time you walk by her, you know, like with my wife, the last three years that we were together, I made sure that throughout the entire day, I told her I loved her. And I made sure about that point that she didn't have to say it back. I reminded her how sexy she was and how gorgeous she was. I would walk up and just touch her hair and say, your hair is just so beautiful, so soft. I love the smell of it. And then I smell her hair and then I kiss her neck. You know, sometimes she'd joke and she's like, oh, what are you up to? What are you trying to get? And I said, just your love. That's all I want. You know, so I tried doing that and not making a joke about it, making it serious. If those are the things she thought were cute and we loved 30 years ago, I still do them 34 years later. You know, when we go to like to a doctor's office and there's a rose bush or a beautiful flower bush, 
in, in the foreground, I'll walk over and I'll pick flowers off of it and I'll come over and say, oh, these flowers are so beautiful for a beautiful angel. You know, and I still do cute little things like that. I'm trying to think of some of the other notes that I wrote down here. Um, you know, and like I said, you can remember, like, when she's mad at things, the only thing she is right there, she's focused on all the bad things. It's it's just like when anything, when, when a fighter gets ready to go into the ring, and they go in there, come on, champ, come on, champ, you know, you can do it, you can do it. Remember all the stuff I taught you? And you, 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 you know, you psych them up. The same thing is, you can be psyched up in a love mood or a hate mood. And when she's mad and angry, all she's doing, she's in that negative mode. She's going to be pulling all the negative bad things you did to build up on that one negative. Like, yeah, he did this. And then I remember the time he did this. And then he did that. Just like when girls all talk together. So you're going to remember the more bad things you do and hurtful things, she's going to build that castle up. And it's going to be harder for you to try to knock it down to get back in. Like I said, she's going to be the fear of forgiveness. She's going to be feared to forgive you for you to just hurt her again on that one thing. And if you keep repeating that same thing over and over, you can say sorry a million times. But that sorry meant nothing and that promise meant nothing. And now your sorries and promises don't mean anything for anything. So these little things can add up that cause a lot of damage. It's like a boat. You can have a little hole in it and a little hole there and a little hole there. And it doesn't matter now if you hit an iceberg or have one more little hole. It's going to sink the same way. So you can have a million little holes or one big hole. So you know what? Right from the beginning, watch out for the icebergs and don't lay your boat on nails. But I'm um, trying to think. Um, some of the notes that I <laughs> wrote down in here. And you got to remember, you know, anytime somebody argues, pain leads to anger. Okay, and like I said, anger attracts all the other angry things. She's not going to be angry about one thing and go, oh, God, I'm so pissed off he did this. But he does these lovely things for me. Oh, he's so pissed off at this, but he does this and he's loving. No, she's going to go, I'm so pissed off he does this. And then I remember a couple weeks ago, he did this. She's going to start remembering all the bad things you do. It's going to be up to you to break that mode, break that cycle, and try to bring the positives in. And that's when you need to come in and validate. Because if you don't, like I said, don't make this about you. Make it about her. It's about her or him right now. Don't be going, you know, I personally don't see why you're so upset. But no, don't do that. You don't need to know why they're upset. And you, and then what you're doing right now is you're minimizing their feelings. You're judging their feelings. And you're just going to make it worse. Don't even say, I don't understand why you're upset. But I'm going to apologize anyways. No. Just say, Listen, I can see you extremely hurtful on what I did. I really am sorry. That's validating number one. This is what I'm going to do in the future because I don't want to see you like that. That's validation number two. Validation number three is, so what I'll do is I won't do this again because I don't want to see you hurt like that. I love you. So you're validating all the way through. That you did do a hurt, you don't like to see her hurt, and you don't want to see her feel hurt, you want to see her feel better. And this is what you can do. And when you make that promise, oh, stick with it. Because like I said, that promise is a seal. That is written in blood. Those words mean actions. You're going to only ruin that word one time that you promise or say sorry and do it again. Your word means shit. Stick to your words. And then you'll start turning everything around. It's all about communication. 
sometimes you have to be selfish. Well, I don't want to say selfish, but you got to be selfless. You can't make, when you're apologizing, do not make it about them. I'm sorry, don't make it about yourself. It's got to be all about them. Don't judge and don't minimize. Don't touch anything about what they're angry about. Don't do the, listen, if it was me, I wouldn't get upset at all. I, I've seen other people brush up. No, it's just about, I'm sorry that you're hurt. I saw you extremely hurt, and I apologize for doing blah, blah, blah. So what I'm going to do, because I don't want to see you feel like that in the future, is do this, this, and this, because I don't want to see you get hurt. So you want to make sure you validate two, but at least try to do it three times. Make it about them. I think if I had done a lot more of that in the past, I'd probably be still with my wife right now, but all I can do is hope for the future. But in the meantime, hopefully I can help somebody else. So I'm going to try to do some more research for everybody and try to see how to apply it with people with BPD. So with that being said, if you have somebody in your life with BPD, try to love them and understand them as much as they can, as much as you can, because they find it so hard to love themselves and they find it so hard to understand themselves at the same time. So have a happy life and happy relationship. You've been listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. I hope you enjoyed the show. And please check out my many other episodes. I hope you get some beneficial suggestions from my experiences. And remember, we're all responsible for our own choices. I'd like to remind you that if you have someone in your life with BPD, try to understand them and love them as much as you can because they find it so hard to be able to understand themselves and love themselves. So thank you again and have a happy life.